Giants, what I'm about. And what I'm about is old school physical mentality. Okay? We're going to put a product on the field that the people of this city and region be proud of. Because this team will represent this area. You know, it is not a week of New York Giants football without starting the show with Hell's Bells, just like we're sitting at MetLife Stadium, Hank. Good evening and welcome to Big Blue Avenue. This is our third episode, folks, on Facebook Live. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Hank and Dichter. We are live on Review and Preview Sports, 7 to 8 p.m. on Thursday evenings. Give us a like and a follow at our Instagram page at Review and Preview. You can subscribe, give us a thumbs up, and follow us at anchor.fm slash Review and Preview or all your podcasting apps, uh, Google Play, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, you name it, Spotify as well, Pocket Cast, all the good stuff. Hank, welcome. Thank you very much for joining me. We have a lot to talk about tonight. Tom, thanks again as always. Um, unfortunately, we don't have very many positive stuff, positive things to talk about regarding the Giants, but this should be really interesting. We got a lot of overreactions and whatnot. Yeah. Nathaniel McWirt, I like the intro. Thank you very much, uh, Nathaniel, for joining us. And uh, we have a lot in store for you guys tonight. Um, Before we get anywhere much further, I just want to say we do not have a guest tonight, but for good reason, probably because of the way the Giants played this week. But we will have a guest next week. Just a teaser right here, folks. That is right. Joe Ruback, license plate guy, the probably the biggest Giants super fan that I know. I'm going to share my screen right now just so uh, you guys know who he is. Get a picture of him up here. Yes, this is the one, the only Joe Ruback license plate guy. You may have seen him, a picture of him at Super Bowl 42. I am pumped for this interview next week. Date and time still to be determined, but I'm very excited, Hank. Looking forward to this. I know you're actually friends with him on Facebook. Yeah, it's true. I uh, he's it's he's he's a guy who's friends with a lot of Giant fans, and uh, I remember just one day I saw him on the People You May Know thing, and I just pressed add, and I wanted to see if he would accept, and hey, he did, and um, I love the stuff he posts. Great guy, hardcore Giant fan. You, you love to see it. So happy we got him. He'll be flying out to L.A. tomorrow to prepare for the Giants and Rams game. So without further ado, let's get into the mix of things here and recap week three against the San Francisco 49ers. And Hank, I'll take the first half. You take the second half. Uh, So the team started the game exchanging field goals. So San Francisco on their first drive, they had a really nice drive. I believe it was a 10-12 play drive and Robbie Gold, slashes through a 52-yarder, but but then the Giants come back and we have the Evan Ingram fumble. And let's debate this play, Hank, because I personally think you don't only blame this on Evan Ingram. You blame it also on Jason Garrett. You don't blame this play on Daniel Jones. It's a trickery play in a new offensive system, no preseason, limited training camp. I'm not here to make excuses for this team, but you can see Evan Ingram was not ready for that football. I agree with that for sure. It was not a great play call, but with that said, if you're Ingram, you're the tight end, you got to hold on to that ball. Ball security is very important at this time in the game, and healthy or not, the Niners are not a team you can make those mistakes against. Fair enough. Yeah, I agree, because even though they were without 13 starters, fun fact, the Giants were still atrocious. Uh, But early on, the game was pretty copacetic. Uh, they were tied 6-6 six to six midway through the first quarter, and then that's where the 49ers proceeded to go on a 12-play, 75-yard drive to score a touchdown thanks to uh, really a big turning point that you singled out, the Darnay Holmes illegal contact penalty on third down and 22, Hank. Yeah, that is something that cannot happen. 
third and 22, it was, what was it, a seven-yard pass? The guy caught the Giants would have gotten the ball pack. The penalty came at the worst amount of time. And, you know, this might sound crazy, but to me, that penalty basically felt like an extra turnover, if you really think about it. Because it was a tie game. The Giants getting the ball. They could have probably taken the lead. In my honest opinion, that, that was a real game changer. And because the Niners scored seven points, that made it extra costly. 100%. Remember, this kid's a rookie, and he's filling in the slot. I'm excited. Giants are going to get the football back tied at six. And then it's one thing if it's like third and one, third and two. I mean, that still burns you too. But when it's third and 22, you're like 99% likely to get the football back. And you commit a penalty like that. Was not a fan. Uh, So after the McKinnon touchdown, the 49ers would then add a field goal off a Daniel Jones interception that was thrown to Fred Warner, one of the few star players that were healthy on the San Francisco defense with under two minutes left in the first half too. That was definitely huge. That ended up in the 49ers getting another field goal up 16 to six at the half. And one thing I'm going to say about this first half, Hank, before you uh, dig into the second, the 49ers absolutely dominated time of possession. The Giants defense could not get off the football field. Yeah, no, as, as I alluded to in the Chicago game, Third third down defense is very critical with winning games. And the Giants, if if as you probably have noticed, have really struggled with getting off the field in third down. And that's another thing that can be a game changer. So we have a comment here from uh, Jason Glickman. Hey, Tom, which quarterback is worse, Daniel Jones or Mitch Trubisky? That's definitely an easy question to answer. The answer is clearly Mitch Trubisky and Jason, I am going to disprove your argument right now. Uh, Daniel Jones, according to Pro Football Focus, is the 10th ranked quarterback in the NFL. His passing grade is fantastic, and he also is the most rushed quarterback. It is not a biased answer. I'm spitting the facts out here, to be honest with you. The Giants offensive line, right? Andrew Thomas is the 62nd, 61st or 62nd, I don't remember what it was, ranked offensive lineman, according to Pro Football Focus. And then Cameron Fleming, I believe, was 52nd. Nick Gates was 31st out of the 34 centers. That is unacceptable. Am I going to sit here and say Daniel Jones had a clean game? No. Daniel Jones did not have a good game. He didn't. But if you're going to tell me, sit here and say that Daniel Jones was the reason why the Giants lost this game, I'm going to call you a fool. It's not true. I mean, look, I, you know what? I was going to wait to show the graphic, but let me show it right now. You know, I'm happy Jason asked me a question like that just to disprove him right here. He just uh, another question, by the way. Here we go. The good, the bad, and the ugly. So, so far this season, Daniel Jones has not looked very good. His passer rating, analytics-wise, is just under 70, and he has four picks through three games, right? Yeah. So, why would we think Daniel Jones is a good quarterback? I mean, personally, Daniel Jones is not the problem. Look at his pro football focus offensive grade. Remember, it's not just all about stats and numbers. These guys are looking at when they make these grades. Look, numbers do tell a good part of the story, but they don't tell the whole story. He's able to run with the football. He was our leading rusher. He's very smart, in my opinion. His issue is the giveaways. As you can see, 29 giveaways since 2019, second most in the NFL. And a lot of the time, passer rating issues are also attributed to who you have in front of you, who you have around you, right? Sterling Shepard out with a turf toe injury. Saquon Barkley out with a torn ACL. They just brought in Devontae Freeman off the street. This team can't run the football. So I'm not going to sit here, guys, and be biased and say Daniel Jones had a good game or that Daniel Jones is going to be the future for the next 10 to 15 years because that would be an unfair statement to make. And it would be a biased statement to make. Yeah. Um, let's see. Barrett Muller, Niners, woohoo. Thank <laughs> you for the comment. And that's what you get with a Duke quarterback and a special teams coordinator from the Patriots. Well, we will show everyone a clip from this game in just a few moments about Joe Judge. David Yates says, I agree. Daniel Jones is not the problem. Love it. Um, His quarterback rating is lower than Sam Darnold. Yes, while this may be correct, I do think Sam Darnold would – look, 
Sam Darnold has done pretty decent for himself being on the New York Jets. I do agree with Jason there. I don't think Sam Darnold is not an NFL quarterback, but that would be for a Jets show. But um, good luck to you guys tonight against the Denver Broncos. Let's see. The O-line is young and is going to take time. Should we trade for an experienced center to try and anchor the line? Um, Well, I think before making a move there, David, what I think the Giants should do is remove Cameron Fleming from the starting lineup, move Nick Gates to right tackle where he was last year. He was a middle-of-the-pack right tackle last year and put Spencer Pulley in its center. Because before this season, Nick Gates never played an NFL snap at center. So that's just personally my opinion. And Hank, your mother just commented, love the show, wish the Giants were playing better this season. I yeah, thanks agree. a lot, Mom. I appreciate your support. Um, let's see. We got the comment section popping right now. Uh, both New York teams go 0-16. Wouldn't that be some shit? Well, <laughs> I'm not going to answer that. It is very I, early on in the season. Um, I don't like talking about tanking at week at week four of the season, so let's skip that. Everyone forgets Jones has only played one game with all his starting receivers. Yeah, that's definitely true. I agree 100%. That definitely hurts the fact that they're not there. Um, and, yeah, Fleming has not been good, David. I agree with you 100%. We are going to get into the offensive line in just a little bit. But, Hank, let's talk about this second half and how uh, you know things really started to turn around for the bad. Well, I mean, it started out looking at looking not too bad. Daniel Jones would start get going. He would run the ball pretty well on the first drive in the third quarter. I'm, but unfortunately, there was a holding penalty that negated one of his big runs. And so then they had to settle for a field goal. 16-9 San Francisco. And from there, yeah, that was pretty much about as close as, it, as the game would get. Brendan Ayuk had that 19-yard touchdown rush to make it 23-9 49ers. And, Tom, I believe we've got a fun fact about that. This was the first touchdown scored by a San Francisco 49er wide receiver since the uh, divisional playoffs against the Minnesota Vikings. Is that correct? So you're correct. It's been nearly nine months, folks, since a San Francisco 49ers wide receiver scored a touchdown. Rookie from Arizona State, Brandon Ayuk, did score a touchdown in this game, but it was a rushing touchdown, not a receiving touchdown. So sorry, 49ers fans, um, Barrett Muller and those guys. Um, look, 49ers receiver still does not have a touchdown reception since the divisional round of last year's playoffs, which I, look, don't get me wrong, the 49ers are a fantastic football team, and they proved it. They overcame a lot of adversity in this game, folks, and they deserve all the credit in the world for that win. But um, – yeah, that was insane. That was the first of a couple of young players to score in the second half for San Francisco, Hank. Yeah, and then Jeff Wilson scored the last two, a rush and a reception, and that was pretty much the end of the route. But, uh, Tom, I believe, is this the time where we should show the highlight of the missed PAT? So, folks, Joe Judge has a pure emphasis on special teams, right? And people are wondering, well, what have we seen differently from Pat Shermer and Ben McAdoo these first two weeks, uh, first three weeks in the NFL football season. Well, obviously the Giants got blown out on Sunday, and that's never good if you're a football team. They were close. They were in the mix the first two games against two good football teams. However, uh, in week three, they did not perform. But down late last year, the year before, guys start to give up on the coaching staff. But no, not in Joe Judge's case. And I'm going to show you guys right now why this team is different from years past. And I think Giants folks do keep the, up the hope. The Giants will win some games soon, very soon. And here is why. We're going to break down this play for you right now. So right here, I just want to backtrack a little bit. So as you can see, Joe Judge, right, both the safeties on this play, Nate Ebner, number 43, and Julian Love, number 20, they're playing a defensive set. They are not going to rush the kick. Why? Because the Giants are overloading one side. As you can see, they're overloading the right side, which is always a smart thing to do. You want to go towards your opposition's weaker side blocking-wise. If you've done your scouting reports, you know which side is slower off the snap. So the snap comes from the long snapper. 
Boom. So you see Corey Ballantyne and Cam Brown, 25 and 47. They do a fantastic job of getting to Wisnowski, the holder. It is a terrible snap. And teams last year, teams in the past, or just average teams who don't focus on special teams as much, the long snapper would have enough time to put the football down again, and Robbie Gold would be able to make that extra point. But once the play is snapped, you have Lorenzo Carter coming from one end, Cam Brown up the gap, Ballantyne from another side, and now this happens. So I want to scroll back again and look at this play. Why am I being very detail-oriented, folks? Because I love paying attention to details like this. Um, As is our head coach. So watch that the safeties love and Ebner. Once the play breaks down and the tight ends go out in motion. So Julian Love has the guy who's flaring out to the right, and Ebner is able to do a nice job, close in on Arik Armstead. And that's the benefit of bringing Nate Ebner, a captain who was a special teams ace for the New England Patriots all these years, Hank. And I think that right there shows you why this Joe Judge um, football team is going to win games eventually this year, because this coach is probably the first guy who's going to be here for uh, you know, a decent amount of time. And the details are important. I do agree. Um, you know, it's breaking down the film, Hank, and what these guys are doing out there. Obviously they were outmatched against the 49ers. I don't want to tune anyone's horn here that's watching, but I expected the giants to lose this game. I know Hank, you differed for me. Um, yeah, I, I just had a chance. I, what was I thinking? <laughs> no, no, it's totally okay. Like, I, I mean, I get your opinion on that, and the Giants very well could have won this game. Don't get me wrong. They had their chances early on, but the same things that derailed them last week derailed them again this week. Yep, um, exactly. So, Kevin Mondolo. The Niners are good. Amazing effort and good job on Judge to coach the special teams to be that smart. Special teams is, quote-unquote, special teams. Correct. Um, and I think it's just a matter of time before the Giants start bringing in the right players. The only question now, which I'll get to in a minute, if uh, Dave Gettleman is still around once that time comes. So, Hank, the key takeaways in this game. The Giants' performance took a major step back from the first two weeks. Ugly 36-9 to loss. You never want to see that. And Daniel Jones did not have a good football game. We will show this uh, graphic again of Daniel so that you guys can see more into depth now as to what we were referring to. So here is Daniel Jones, folks. Um, Hank, tell me what you see here in this graphic and as, you know, no pun intended, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I see he's his run grade is pretty high at, at the eighth, and that's pretty good. Daniel Jones is a guy who can run when needed to and pretty good in that aspect. And his 60.2% completion rating, I mean, it could be better, but – We'll see. And uh, 77.11 on uh, pro football fo- focus. Again, that's not bad. That shows you that this guy, while, yes, he's made a lot of his mistakes, he still has potential to be pretty good for the Giants down the road. I do not dis- uh, dispute that. And as bad of a game as he had, I, like a lot of people, do not think Daniel Jones is the problem. And and really, let's put it this way. Thinking that the quarterback is really the problem usually anytime you lose – you really got to look more into it than just that. It's so, one of the more elementary point of views I can narratives I've really heard of. Jones has seen a tremendous amount of pressure. As I brought up, Nick Gates, Andrew Thomas, and Cameron Fleming were unable to hold their own. Hernandez was iffy at times, too. Kevin Zeitler was realistically the only offensive lineman that is able to hold his ground. Jones was sacked twice pressured six times, hit six times by a defensive line that was missing three of their starters. In my book, that's inexcusable. You can get away with maybe one sack. But if you're pressured on almost half of your dropbacks highest in the league, you know what the issue is. It's the boys up front. Either they haven't had enough time to prepare for the season, being those three are in new positions for this team, or there's an issue um, with the coaching staff. But I do think Mark Colombo is doing a really good job. Remember, there's so much turnover in this coaching staff that it's going to take a while without a preseason 
as Paul Dottino mentioned a few weeks ago on his podcast, Big Blue Kickoff, with Lance Meadow, that the Giants are a team, a new team, new coaching staff. They need preseason, and they didn't get it this year due to you know the unfortunate pandemic. But 233 yards a game, you know, you would say that's pretty decent, but not in the modern day NFL, especially when you are ranked last in the NFL in rushing yards through three weeks. So I think that's where Daniel needs to improve. His passing and offense is great, but Daniel in this offense needs to build off the running game a bit more than doing, you know, a, uh, a shotgun set with four or five receivers throughout majority of the game. And I want to get to a comment we missed earlier. Actually, David says, do you think the opt-out of Nate Solder has affected us as negatively as it appears? Hank, why don't you take that one? Um, you know, I know Solder hasn't been one of the best free agent signings that Gettleman has had, but I actually think to an extent it might have affected them because he's been he's been in the league for a while, and I think that the offensive line, which is mostly young, probably could have used a guy like Solder, and they could have learned from his experience. And remember, he was um, he's been on and winning too in New England, and that's where he has a bit of connection with Joe Judge. So, believe it or not, I, I actually kind of do see it as a negative impact. What about you, Tom? Yeah, I do too because I think a lot of people forget this. When Luke Pettigrew was drafted back in 1999, he started out as a right tackle and then converted over to left. I think learning from Nate Solder maybe a little bit on how to play the position at the NFL level would have benefited Andrew Thomas a little bit more. It was one thing if Solder was hurt, but the fact that he opted out, he's not even there. I don't even know if they're communicating. So I do think losing Nate Solder has definitely uh, had a negative impact on this team, David. Thank you very much for that. Keep the comments coming, folks. Remember, give us a thumbs up, like, and subscribe at Review and Preview Sports. Really appreciate it. Um, let's see. Quarterback needs three things to succeed passing. He needs time, separation, and vision, right, which are things Daniel Jones does not have very often. Although, I've got to say, folks, is this an overreaction on Daniel? It is. Because yep. the first three weeks, the Giants have gone up against Bud, uh, Bud Dupree and T.J. Watt, Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn last week. And then this week, they had Arik Armstead, which in hindsight was probably their easiest matchup. But yet they still just weren't, weren't good, um, you know. So 100% agree with you, David. Again, keep the comments coming, folks. We love the insight. And... Another thing, too, we have to bring up about this game, Hank, the running back by committee strategy just flat out failed. Uh, I don't even think there was a strategy heading into this game, at least not one that was effective, because Daniel Jones once again was the leading rusher with 49 uh, yards, which I think personally was a problem. Um, Again, I just think that Devontae Freeman only getting five carries, I get it, makes a lot of sense because – you know, new hasn't practiced with the team. Remember he was in Philadelphia when he found out about Barkley, he was working out with other teams. Uh, I'd like to see him get more touches this week against the Rams. Wayne Gallman, four rushes for seven yards. Again, just not enough touches to really get into a groove of anything. The giants, um, they didn't have the ball much in the first half when they were in the game. That was part of the problem, Hank, where the giants were a pass first offense on Sunday, which made a lot of sense because the 49ers were without Richard Sherman and Akella Witherspoon. But it's clear, the Giants missed Sterling Shepard. They missed Saquon Barkley. Even before those injuries happened, the offense still struggled to run the football. We don't know if that was just pure, poor offensive line play or the defenses they were going up against. I'm not 100% sure. But I think it kind of goes hand in hand. Yeah. I think it kind of goes hand in hand. There's the rushing stats on the ticker below, folks. You can view them there, uh, the top three rushers of the team. And then Deion Lewis should be that change of pace back, the third down guy. Wayne Gallman should be the third string, but the backup as far as who gets touches in the backfield. Um, Darius Slayton held to three catches yet again. I personally was not a fan Uh defenses were able to key in on him because of not having Sterling Shepard, Hank. Um, Shepard missed his first game of the season, which is no shocker. He's been banged up throughout his entire career. 
Slayton was held to three catches for 33 yards, lost a fumble on that final drive of the game, which was the tipping point for me because I started both Daniel Jones and Darius Slayton on my fantasy team. Thank you very much, fellas. Have to represent. Um. <laughs> I'm still representing. Hopefully he comes back soon. Yeah, I agree. That, that was a sarcastic plug, by the way. I mean, look, I just – it's <laughs> tough, man. When Golden Tate realistically was the Giants' leading receiver this week, five catches, 36 yards against a banged-up secondary, that's not okay. That's not okay at all. Um, I'm not a fan of the Giants getting rid of Corey Coleman still. I'm personally not convinced that that was the answer to get rid of him. And the Hog Mollies are struggling. Is Dave Gettleman in trouble, Hank? And if so, how much? To be honest, I think I think if his hot seat was hot as this, as the season started, it's getting a little bit hotter right now because look look at his record. It's nine and twenty three, and I'm not even counting including the first three games of this season. That's not a winning culture. And when and when we look at the draft picks that he's made, the offensive line somehow has not shown that there's some progress over the past few years. And if things keep going the way they are at three and 13, I can understand wanting Dave Gettleman gone after the season, if the pattern continues. But with that said, if the giants can show a little bit of improvement, I think maybe just maybe his job stays, but I, I'm not, I'm not optimistic about his chances to be honest. Right. Um, I think a GM has a slightly larger window or longer window than a head coach. Uh, but I think Gettleman's is closing soon. If the giants don't start putting wins out on the board, nine and 26 through two years and three games. And another question from David, what's the issue with Gallman? I can't see it at all. I really like him when he stepped up last year. So my take on Wayne Gallman is I like him too, David. He played with the, obviously we all know he played with the Sean Watson in college at Clemson. He was pretty solid last year when coming in relief. The issue with me right now, David, is that he's been banged up in the offseason. Um, I think you want Devontae Freeman in there right now. If I had a pick between the two, I'd rather get more looks of Devontae Freeman um, because I feel like we know what we will get out of Wayne Gallman as where we don't know with Devontae Freeman. And if it doesn't work, I would prefer Wayne Gallman to start over Deion Lewis. Um but I think as far as the feature back is concerned, the depth chart should be um, either Freeman or Gallman first. But um, And then Deion Lewis should be that change of pace back third down. He shouldn't be your lead rusher any week of any season. Um, and then we have another question from him, actually. It's a totally separate point. Do you think Tuck gets a bust at Canton first time around? I do. Oh, absolutely. He deserves it. Absolutely. Well, no, he's saying like he doesn't make it. Uh, first year. I don't think he makes it. I don't think he makes it. Oh. Um, oh, sorry. I didn't understand. Yeah, I hope so, but I, I think he'll get it eventually. I hope so, too. I think it's going to take another year or two, if so. Um, look, he was a big factor in the, the two of the big games we appeared in back in the 2007 season in 2011. His first couple of years, though, he was stuck behind Michael Strahan. Um, and then he did leave the Giants, um, and he left them for the Raiders. So, uh, but anyway, this Giants offense—they have not scored more than 16 points in a game this year. They are averaging 12 and a half points a game through three weeks. That is atrocious, Hank. Uh, another key takeaway I personally took from this game: the second cornerback position is constantly rotating Isaac Yadam started on Sunday after Ballantyne started the first two weeks that experiment was absolutely horrible and um Isaac Yadam was so bad they replaced him for Ryan Lewis who they just signed off the street so I didn't like that at all and I didn't like Devontae Downs out there I'm not a Devontae Downs guy I'm still a little salty about losing Ryan Connolly Joe Judge admitted it was probably a mistake uh, considering who they had. Um, the Giants miss David Mayo. They missed Xavier McKinney, Hank. What are your thoughts on this whole fiasco on the, on the defense? 
I think maybe if they can come back at some point in the season, they might help to salvage their defense. And I think they might be key contributors. If, if, I'm not going to say if, but when they en- end up getting wins later on the season. But yeah, defensively, it it really is a mess. And I think this is one of those games where we really could use Ryan Conley. And I, like you, was not a fan of letting him go from the start. I thought it was a terrible decision. So right now, folks, I'm going to throw this image out there because I think it's really important for the fans to know when these guys may be coming back. Um, Eminem. Let me uh, remove that banner from the screen. David Mayo and Xavier McKinney, the two guys that, um, quite frankly, are two highlight players on this defense. Maybe, uh, well, we don't know that for sure because McKinney has not played an NFL game yet. But if we're talking about last year, David Mayo had 82 tackles and two sacks. The 82 tackles were second on the team. Obviously, he tore his meniscus placed on short-term IR back on September 6th, and he is eligible to return this week, Hank. I'm really excited to see if he's able to play. I don't think he will this week. I think Joe Judge, the way he was talking throughout the week, I don't think it's going to happen. But remember, you did sign this guy to a three-year contract extension in the offseason after Joe Judge got hired. So I would like to think Mayo will have a significant role and hopefully a starting role over Devontae Downs when he comes back. Yeah, I agree. I think we can real we could really use him at this point in the season. And yeah, I, I really don't want to see any more of Devontae Downs at this point in the season. Yeah, he's been really, re- really bad. Um, more comments here. Connolly was a total disaster. I called it as soon as it came out and knew we wouldn't see him back. I just think, yeah, you're right. Tony Ciel could do a lot to you as a football player, it's very difficult to recover from an injury like that. And although the reason why like we're somewhat attached to him is because of his pass coverage ability. He was the best pass coverage linebacker last year. However, it was too short of a sample size to say he's going to be like he was in those four games he played in last year. It's just a shame because it was very promising. We didn't get a bad sample size of Ryan Connolly. We got a good one. And as giant fans, when you have a linebacker that can be really good pass coverage-wise, you hold on to a player like that. At least put him on the practice squad and give him time to develop or uh, do what you did with David Mayo and then hope one of the rookies clears through waivers. Um, but look at Mayo. We didn't talk about this. Top five among interior linebackers last year against the run. That was very, very impressive. And now we go on to Xavier McKinney, the second-round pick out of Alabama. Love this guy. Box safety reminds me of Landon Collins a little bit. He was placed on short-term IR with a fractured foot on September 6th, but that will continue. Uh, He will not be back anytime soon. His senior year at Alabama, three picks, three sacks, nearly 100 tackles. He has a knack for making opposing skills players cough up the ball, and he's going to miss at least another month or two, Hank. I want to hear your thoughts about how uh, missing him has definitely really hurt this secondary early on in, in the season. Yeah, this this has been another example of a game where Giants have gotten burned by receivers, especially on third down. And I really think McKinney's another guy that probably we could have used in games like this. So it definitely hurts and really hoping he can get back as soon as possible. 100%. So we wish Eminem the best. Uh Mayo Man and X-Man, I know we have O'Shane as well, but hopefully they come back soon. And, folks, now the real million-dollar question is what's happened to Marcus Golden? Five tackles and one quarterback hit through the first three weeks. Hank, why are the Giants not utilizing him the way they did last year? Uh, You know, that's a good question. I think maybe Judge, like, is what has been wanting to use different guys and uh maybe you know i don't know maybe he's like trying to fit him into a scheme it's it's really confusing i think marcus golden's a guy that needs to be used more and more often couldn't agree with you more um guys this is the reality of the situation the 49ers were without 13 players and still beat us by 27 points Injuries include three starting defensive linemen, two of them that tore their ACLs last week, and Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas. 
the 49ers were with also uh, they were also without D Ford, Richard Sherman and Akella Witherspoon, both of their starting cornerbacks heading into camp, both missed this game. Uh, who else do we have? Both of their two top running backs, Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman, out. Jimmy G, high ankle sprain, out. George Kittle missed the game, out. Debo Samuel, their number one wide receiver from last year, missed the game. So they were without their start, their number one wide receiver, their starting quarterback, their two top running backs, their starting tight end, three of their top defensive linemen, both starting cornerbacks, and we scored nine points. I'm not trying to be funny, but that's the reality of the situation, guys. As Giants fans, we have to let that sink in and really question what is wrong with our football team right now. And that's where, you know, nine nine starters didn't play. It just it's not it's not a good look. And not to mention they lost Jordan Reed in the first half to a sprained MCL. The guy's been dinged up his whole career. We know that. He played for Washington his whole time in the NFL before this. Six to eight weeks, he's done. And Ross Dwelly, the third-string tight end, gets four catches for 49 yards, shreds up this defense. Brandon Ayuk, the rookie, 70 receiving yards. And then Kendrick Bourne had a few nice catches as well. I am, besides myself, Hank, what went wrong defensively? I mean, I know we talked about it a couple minutes ago, but let's dig a little bit more deeper here, man, because we have to find the root of this issue for all these Giants fans. Linebackers linebackers with tight ends have been a problem pretty much for as long as we've watched this team. And the fact that your their backup has been torching them is, is yet another example in a long line of this. And yeah, secondary, as we mentioned, not having guys such as Xavier McKinney, I really hurts. And especially when you have Ayuk and Bourne going a combined 134 yards receiving. Yeah, not good. Secondary, big problem. Soaking the offense. And uh, Nathaniel, Answer this like, question very quickly. <laughs> Nathaniel, first of all, I love this question. Go Yankees. What are my thoughts? Um, listen, Tampa, they're going to have their uh, hands full in that series, but I definitely think the Yankees have a chance if they can take the same approach as they did in game one against Bieber. Should They, they should definitely be able to win. But Tampa's a tough team, though. Careful. Going to be interesting. Uh, David says... Golden perhaps not fit the new defensive. So, yep, I agree. He has not been a good fit so far, uh, at least the first few weeks, because the transition from Betcher to Graham, remember they signed Kyler Fackrell, O'Shane Zaminis. They spent an early third-round pick on him last year. And then Lorenzo Carter, who is really the top guy on the edge rushing right now. And look at this. I know every team has went through the same thing, but not every team has shredded their coaching structure and started – a fresh with limited camp, no preseason, and now thrown into one of the toughest schedules we have had in many years. David is 100% correct. Again, man, we got to get David on the show sometime, maybe. I mean, this oh, guy's absolutely. spitting facts at us. Oh, absolutely, David. Those are all very, <laughs> those are all very salient points. I agree. Shout out to my cousin John Unterweger tuning in from uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Hello. Um, sorry about your Sooners this past weekend, but – um, I digress. Anyway, uh, I agree. Tough schedule. This is the brutal part of the Giants' schedule. This is the meat and potatoes of the schedule, as I like to say. The next few weeks, the Giants play a lot of divisional opponents. Remember, they are one game out of the division. One game. It's crazy to even think about that. You're 0-3. You've looked horrible. And you're one game out of first place. Again, I feel like we talk about this every year. With the NFC East. Um, least, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> NFC least. I like Sorry, it. I had to go there. So, I know we talked about this earlier, but I want to get into um, this just to compare why we think this is an overreaction about Daniel Jones and Coach Judge. Let's look. I hate to bring Eli Manning into this, but we, we kind of have to. Second year in the NFL, that's what Eli Manning had on the left. That is what Daniel Jones has right now on the right. Eli Manning had three Pro Bowl offensive linemen in front of him, including Luke Pettigrew, who was the veteran and longest tenured on that team at that time. 
Abani Toomer was there since 1996. Tiki Barber was there since 97, and those two were the star players on this Giants roster at that time. Look what Daniel Jones has, a running back that was signed off the street, a 32-year-old wide receiver that is only in his second year with the team. Second-year receiver Darius Slayton. Evan Ingram, who is a poor man's version of Jeremy Shockey. The dude can just not stay healthy. I don't know if you guys agree with that reference, but that's personally what I think. I like Shockey more than Ingram. I know, Hank, you and I'm a big Shockey fan. I know you're not as much, but that's a controversial topic. Oh, my gosh. Um, Poor man's Jeremy Shockey. I think you're being a little too kind there, Tom. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Toomer never made a Pro Bowl. I am very surprised about that because, remember, in 2002, he was the third leading receiver in the entire NFL. Oh, he was amazing that season, and I I always thought he was underappreciated too. Agreed. And I'll tell you another thing about the 05 offense. He also had had Plasco Burris who would create matchup problems with pretty much anyone who covered him. This is what we're looking at, folks. The biggest compare and contrast – is everything. Is everything. The offensive line is just insane. I can't even fathom how bad this offensive line is compared to what Eli Manning has. So for those of you calling Daniel Jones, just look. Look at this graphic right here. A lot of the players were drafted by the Giants, by the Jim Fossil regime. Most of these guys weren't. Just some facts right there. I mean, Look, I just think all the hate definitely needs to calm down a little bit. Oh, and by and by the way, the fullback, Jim Finn, we didn't even talk about him. Uh, right down the road uh, from my house, not too far, Bergen Catholic High School in New Jersey. So um, about 20 minutes away from here. So uh, a lot of good football players come out of that high school. Um, by the way, if you want to learn more about that team, go check out one of our uh, Throwback Thursday episodes about that 2005 team. That's a pretty underrated. Yeah, we have a uh, – if you look at our page, Review and Preview Sports, look at our videos, uh, the story – the journey of the 2005 New York football Giants. So the Giants are now 0-3 for the first time since 2017. What's the biggest problem? It's right in front of you. We just showed it to you on that graphic. Andrew Thomas, 66th ranked offensive tackle out of 71 eligible. Cam Fleming is 62nd. Nick Gates, 31st out of the 34 eligible centers. It is unacceptable. It is not okay. And it needs to be fixed heading into next week. If we don't see results against the Los Angeles Rams, 100%. It's the O-line. It's the new players getting adjusted to the new coaching. And it's Dave Gettleman. We've had too much turnover these first three years. Put in, This coaching staff needs time to gel and develop. But the problem is people are going to be patient with the coaching staff, but not Dave Gettleman. Again, Kyle Russo brought this up on Review and Preview last night. It's definitely a concern. So I think the biggest key takeaway we get from this as Giants fans is that the Cowboys are the best of the worst in the NFC East right now. Um, I'm excited for this next segment, though. You ready? We're going to get into some positives. What are the positives that the Giants took from this game? Graham (laughs) Gano. What do you know? What do you know, Hank? Three field goals going a perfect three for three, including a 52-yard field goal. (laughs) As sad as that sounds, he was he was our best player on offense yesterday, as sad as that sounds. Sunday. Yeah, Sunday. Sorry, I can't even think right now. Another good point from David. Um, so let's move on to Blake and, Martinez, Hank. Yeah, Blake Martinez, I, I definitely think he – If it, other than besides James Bradbury, I would say Blake Martinez for sure has been our most valuable acquisition – he had a big nine-yard sack at, on Nick Mullins at one point in the first half, and he's been tied for third in tackles in the league, and he's the top linebacker in the NFL against the run. 91.3 grade. This guy has been great, probably as good as you can ask for at this point. I think another strength for this team, too, is the defensive line. 
the rotation of Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, Dalvin Tomlinson, and B.J. Hill. Leonard Williams has two sacks through three games. He had a sack on Sunday. I was impressed. One of the two giant sacks. And defensively, they were decent against the uh, the run, folks. Um, what was that guy's name? Jeff Wilson? The guy who scored the last two touchdowns for San Francisco. It's so bad, I don't even know his name. Yes. I'm pretty sure that's his name. Jeff Wilson Jr. Jeff Wilson Jr., yes. He had two touchdowns, but he had 12 rushes for only 15 yards. And then you look at Jarek McKinnon, who had 14 for 38, I believe. The Giants did pretty good against the run. One thing we took away from this game, the 49ers ran the ball 35 times, but for only 93 yards. That is 2.7 yards per carry. That is a huge improvement over the first couple of games. Martinez was always a home run. He sure was. I definitely love that he's here. Um, and this has to be Kyle Russo commenting that. Um, <laughs> uh, the pessimism. Kyle Russo. Actually, Kyle, by the way, that's wrong. Their worst record was 1966, 112-1. Thank you for that, Hank. Um, <laughs> Dalvin Tomlinson had two tackles for a loss in this game. He is ranked 11th out of 121 interior defensive linemen in the NFL. Dexter Lawrence, 10th. You have two of the top 11 on your own team. You can stop the run. We can diagnose and snuff out the run. That is not the Giants' problem. It's right now, I don't know if Jabril Peppers is going to play Sunday. We're going into this game with our top two secondary players, James Bradbury and Julian Love. Love those two guys, no pun intended. But um, I'm telling you, Isaac Yadam, Nate Ebner, I'm assuming Logan Ryan will probably start at the second safety spot next to Love if Peppers does not go, folks. But I'd like to see Darnay Holmes as the second cornerback because, quite frankly, you have nobody else better right now. Um, you know, utilize some of these rookie linebackers you got to help out in pass coverage. You, Joe Judge, you got playing guys out of position. Why don't you do it there? I'm sick and tired of seeing Isaac Yadam, Ryan Lewis, and Nate Ebner. Do I think Peppers plays as of right now? I don't believe he's practiced all week. The high ankle sprain, it was a similar injury Barkley had last year. So if I had to take a guess right now, I don't think he will be active this week, especially considering the Giants signed another defensive player to their practice squad this week. Um, Lorenzo Carter, too, has been great. He's one of the top edge rushers. And James Bradbury. We're going to show you guys another graphic. It's called the Bradbury Bunker. And a new little uh, segment I decided to uh, add in this week. New York Giants Player of the Week, James Bradbury. Who, Hank, leads the entire NFL with nine defended passes. Is Bradbury living up to the hype everyone thought he was? I would say yes. It's a dumb question. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Look at these stats, guys. Ranked third in defense and coverage throughout the entire NFL, according to Pro Football Focus. That's some legit stuff right there. Pretty good against the run, too. Not bad. Um, He's going to have a tough assignment in Cooper Cup on Sunday, who right now is the second highest rating receiver, according to Pro Football, tied with Calvin Ridley only behind him and DeAndre Hopkins. That's insane. So Cooper Cup is going to cause a lot of problems. But ladies and gentlemen, our first ever New York Giants player of the week on the show, the Bradbury Bunker. You know how we had Revis Island for the Jets? I'm going to call this the Bradbury Bunker. Well, I'm, you got to copyright that. Yeah. Make a lot of money that way. Nobody use Bradbury Bunker, folks, if you're out there. Uh, no, That's why I have to copyright it. <laughs> uh, TM on the side. <laughs> All right, so... I love the way James Bradbury has played the first few weeks. Um, can we get a prediction against the spread tonight for Denver, which is plus one? Oh, 100%. I think um, the Broncos win this game. Uh, not by much. Jeff Rippian starting at quarterback. Personally, I think the Broncos win by a field goal, David. Um, we announced that on our other show, Review and Preview, last night. Um uh, I think the Jets are going to play well, but uh, Rippian is definitely going to have his hands full. 
Hank, I don't know if you want to predict that game quick. <laughs> I actually, believe it or not, I actually have the Jets winning. 23 That's right. 27 to 20. I'm taking the Jets, believe it or not. Very. Not often that I do, but Jet fans, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Our punter, Riley Dixon, seventh Big best bad. punter in football. We're really getting into the logistics here, folks. We want to bring you the nuts and bolts of the New York football giants. Take a deep dive into this football team. Um, now we get to the cons. I know we talked about him a lot, but let's just go over some of the cons quickly. The 49ers dominated in all facets of the game Sunday. They outgained us 420 to 231. They outmarked us in first downs, 29 to 13. And time of possession, 39 minutes for the 49ers, just 20, 21 for the Giants. Unacceptable. Not to mention we're outscored 20 to 3 in the second half. It was just tank. I was disgusted. The offense did not make a single trip to the red zone and backup quarterback Nick Mullins throws for nearly 350 yards on this defense. Yeah. How ugly is that? It was not a, a it was not a very fundamentally sound game by the Giants. Then that would be the understatement of the year. <laughs> I don't know, man. Just the inability to get off the field. The 49ers were eight for twelve on third down. This has been a major problem for the Giants. You talked about the Darnay Holmes illegal contact on third and 22. And fun fact, the defense was unable to force a 49ers punt. So that's a fact that is not so fun, Hank. My bad. Uh, the 49ers, this is the first time they have not punted in a football game since week 16 of 1993. You want to know how long ago that was? Neither of us were alive. Yeah, I was negative. 1993. You know, this team, man, they lose the turnover battle, 3 nothing. The Ingram fumble, the Jones fumble, the Jones interception, uh, Darius Slayton fumble. And you know what? Like I said also, there was a turnover on downs, and as I mentioned early in the show, the third and 22, because we would have gotten the ball back, in my book, that kind of is a turnover, so... Really, if you want to add those two, that's five turnovers. Correct. But if you want to play that on the score sheet. Um, again, the offensive line's a work in progress. They're the only team in the NFL to not rush for at least 75 yards. Andrew Thomas left the game for a little bit, came back. The 49ers' offensive line turned out to be as much of a problem as expected. Now, the 49ers were not great in the run game, but remember, they didn't have their top two backs. But what the 49ers were great in, was the passing game. And, Hank, you're going to get a good laugh out of this one. No. <laughs> click, click, boom. I knew I knew where this Oh, the exact reason I thought the 49ers would win this game is right here in front of us. The Giants could not stop Nick Mullins, and that is credit to these five big hogs protecting him. The two offensive tackles are elite. Ben Garland was a good acquisition for them at center. They had to replace Joe Staley because he retired. And I'm a fan of Lake and Tomlinson too. I'm a fan of him. And Brunskill's light. He can move his feet. He's a much better pass blocker than run blocker. So look, there it is right there. The weight, the height, everything you need to know. I'm going to get rid of this now. We saw enough of it last week, but there it is. So let's preview week four against the Rams before we uh, sign off here tonight. So the Rams are 2-1 and one on the year. They lost to the Buffalo Bills last week by a field goal, final score of 35-32, to 32, although what an impressive comeback by Jared Goff and his team. They were down 28-3, to three, and they had the lead at one point. It was their defense that blew it on a controversial pass interference call, Hank. Yeah, that was a pretty crazy game, and – Although I think it was a makeup call because I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, I think the Bills got screwed with that same one. But you know what? I digress. The the Rams, it was a good attempt at a comeback. But then again, I think their sloppy play in the first half probably came back to haunt them. So, you know what? Yeah. The, that happens, though. I am very concerned about the Rams' 
pass rush and their defensive line. And to David's point, um, that's a good point. We talked about it earlier in the show, and I think guys like Aaron Donald are going to pose a huge problem this weekend because he had two sacks last week. Um, the Rams had four sacks as a team, not to mention Darrell Henderson Jr., who's a backup rush for 114 yards on the Bills. One of the top defenses in the league. Imagine what he's going to do against us on Sunday. Although I think our defensive front might be actually a little better than Buffalo's. Where we lack, Buffalo has an insane um, secondary and linebacking core. Matt Milano, Tremaine Edmonds. The Giants don't have those guys. Tredavious White, we don't have them. Um, outside of Blake Martinez and James Bradbury, in fact, we don't have much. So... There it is. The Bills, again, a Tyler Croft touchdown. The Rams are coming off a controversial loss. They're not happy. They're very angry right now. They're looking for a win, and the Giants are now heading to SoFi Stadium for the very first time. Hank, and fun fact, um, the Giants have not been to L.A. in quite some time. Yes. As a matter of fact, Neither us, nor Daniel Jones, nor Saquon Barkley were born the last time they played the L.A. Rams when they were in L.A. at Los Angeles. That would have been in – that would have been October 16th, 1994, and I believe that would have been at what used to be known as Anaheim Stadium but has gone through multiple corporate name changes since. Twickenham Stadium. No, no, no. No, that was the London series. Oh, that was part of the London series. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. No, that was in 2016. Yep, uh, 94. Road game against the Rams. Yeah, we haven't played. The Giants have not played a football game in Los Angeles since then. You know how? You know that song "Good Life" by One Republic. My friends in New York, they say hello. My friends in LA, they don't know where we've been for the past few years. Something like that. Well, we haven't been there for the past few years. Very corny pun right there, but it makes sense, right? I like it though. It's a great song. <laughs> Shout out One Republic. Um, <laughs> Giants lost to the Rams actually in that game, 17 to 10 in 1994. Daniel Jones was not born. You were correct. The Rams, although they have not beaten the Giants at home, folks, the Rams have not beaten the Giants at home since October 14th, 2001. And that was in St. Louis. Yes. Greatest show on turf. Greatest show on turf. And to be fair, not many people beat the Rams that year. That's that's a good point. Um, the Rams were, I believe, they were thirteen and three. That was the year they went to the big game against the Patriots. Fourteen and two. Fourteen and two. Thank you. Um, Giants were one of only two teams to beat them in the regular season. Um, Jared Goff and Sean McVay. They are one and zero oh against the Giants. That includes a fifty-one to seventeen win back in twenty. I was unfortunately at that game. Very brutal. You know, you pick the worst games to go to. I mean, (laughs) I don't go to giant games that often, but when I do, I see historically bad games like December 19th, 2010. I'm not going to tell you what happened. You you know what happened if you're a giant. Oh, the miracle. We're not going to talk about that, but I'm actually three and oh at giants games all time. So thank you very much. Uh, I did at least see um, a David Wilson highlight reel against the saints. And I did at least see a Landon Collins interception against Jake Cutler. The I saw the 2012 game against the Packers, the 2015 game against the 49ers, and then the 2016 game against the Bengals, where Tom Coughlin, Justin Tuck, and one other person were inducted into the Giants' Ring of Honor. So that was fun. I think Ernie Corsi got inducted that day. Yes, that's who it was. Coughlin, Corsi, and Tuck. Yes. Um, Giants made some moves this week, folks. They released Cooper Rush, their third-string quarterback, and running back um, Rod Smith from the practice squad. They signed quarterback Clayton Thorson, running back Alfred Morris, who, fun fact, is a former Cowboy and Washington player. And then they signed, I think they're in the process of signing Madre Harper today. That's still to be determined. Um, So, yeah, that's um, that's just crazy to think about. To be honest with you, heading into that game, I'm not so certain. But 
Now I think it's time we get to the keys of the game. And folks, here we go again. This is our final graphic of the evening for you. Keys to the game. Hank, I would like to start with you. Well, first of all, might as well start off with pressure, Jared Goff. Yes, he had some pretty good numbers, but if you remember in the Super Bowl a couple years ago, he's a guy that can get rattled. So it's not like this guy is like an elite quarterback or anything. If you pressure him, you might have a chance at winning. As you look at Jared Goff's stat line right there, he has completed 70% of his passes, 109 quarterback rating, fourth-ranked quarterback according to PFF, third through the air. So that's some intense stuff. The Giants are going to have to pressure him, Hank. Beautifully done. One of my keys to the game, the Giants have to control the running game. This is one of their strengths. The Giants must be able to properly utilize their strengths to come away with a win on Sunday. Hank, what is the next key to the game? Next key, I would say, is uh, limit the turnovers and yeah, I think that's pretty straightforward. Pretty much most of, if not all, of the turnovers were very costly, and it led to points. Can't keep doing that. Got to have good ball security. I couldn't agree with you more. You know, it's just interesting to sit here and watch the Rams these first couple of weeks, although I haven't really been watching them too closely. Um, where I was watching the Giants game Sunday, the TV next to us was actually the Rams game. There was a Rams fan there watching it. Um Limiting the turnovers is key. As you can see, um, the Giants have the 31st-ranked offense in the league. Their passing offense is second to last as well. Their rushing is dead last, but their defense is ranked 12th, and that's what's kept them around in these games. As where we look at the keys to the game, the Rams have the third rushing offense in the NFL, so this is going to pose a huge challenge to Dalvin Tomlinson, Dexter Lawrence, Uh, Leonard Williams. This is why, although the Giants are really good at stopping the run, they they weren't playing against, um, you know, great running backs. Now they finally, they finally have one, Um, you know, so it's definitely going to be interesting. Even he's crazy because this guy's a backup, but he's been playing so well these last couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, the Rams are really good on offense, third overall, seventh through the air, third on the ground. Their defense isn't as good, but they're still respectable. That's how they made it to the big game a couple of years ago. And Bradbury needs – yes, Hank? Oh, no, 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 continue. I'll say my point after you talk about Bradbury. Bradbury needs to lock down Cooper Cup, the wide receiver pictured right next to Jared Goff. According to PFF, he's tied for the second-best wide receiver in the league has 18 catches and 230 receiving yards through three weeks. Those are some good numbers right there. Um, Now we'll get through some of the comments. David was at the London game. (laughs) Rushing sole touchdown of the game. Yep. Uh, John Unterweg are off to work. Thank you very much for watching tonight. I think we need to run screens to Tate and Lewis to give us a chance to run the football. That's an interesting point there by David throwing the ball to try to open up the run game, kind of like a reverse psychology maybe type of thing. What do you think about that? I like that idea. I mean, it's a little out-of-the-box thinking, and I think if you catch the Rams off guard, who knows? We'll see what happens. Definitely very interesting. Game predictions. Well, I spoke to license plate. There was one more more key I should briefly mention. Let's hear it. down. Get off the field. Oh, yeah. Upset. Right. 100%. Um, Cup operates in the slot, so Bradbury is going to come in and cover him. Yes, I do agree. Remember, the Rams also do have Robert Woods, so that could pose a problem. Darnay Holmes may get Cooper Cup at times. I'm not sure, but Bradbury, I'm sure, will move with him. That's my ideology for them in this game. Bradbury should move with Cup. Mm-hmm. License plate guy Joe Ruback says, the Giants will win this game 28 to 27. That man is insane. He, he uh, hate to say it. He couldn't be more wrong. Um, stop sharing my screen. I have the Giants losing. I believe I said it on review and preview last night. 
uh, a final score of 27 to 10. And the reason why they only give up 27 points is because of the defense. I think defense is able to keep the Giants in the game in the first half. It'll be a low-scoring game in the first half, but then I have the Rams ultimately winning 27 to 10. Uh, I don't look. Remember, this is a very difficult part of the Giants' schedule, folks. Hank, what is your what is your thought? Um, first of all, let me just start off by saying I wish I had as much optimism as LPG right now. Uh, second of all, um, yeah, I'm. Mine's a little similar. I I have the Rams scoring just a little bit more points. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say thirty to seventeen. It's I don't have as much faith in the Giants this week as I did last week, and L.A. is just too good. It's going to be tough. You have a little more faith in their offense, though, scoring their most points of the season so far, so that should be interesting. Yeah, I think they might score a little bit more, but even so, I highly doubt it would be enough to get a win. Interesting work, correct? Yes. Um, Folks, as we wrap up the show, just wanted to thank everybody for watching us tonight. Quick shout-out here to Joe Ruback. License plate guy who will join us next week. Uh, we don't know the day he will be joining us yet. We will let you guys know on our social media accounts, Facebook, Instagram. Remember to subscribe, like our podcast here on Facebook at Review and Preview Sports. Follow us on Instagram at Review and Preview. Um, David says he can't see us scoring two touchdowns. Well, <laughs> hey, David, we'll let me put it this way. I, I kind of think we're due, but then again, I've been burned a lot with giant predictions, so who knows? David, again, thank you for all the comments tonight. Really appreciate it. All of you guys out there, uh, John, Nathaniel, all of those guys commenting tonight. Really appreciate it. Jason, too, even though uh, those Jets, man, that game is about to start. So um, we'll show license plate guy again one more time. This is probably the biggest giant super fan that I personally know. The man has 67,000 followers on Instagram. He will be joining us next week, so you will not want to miss that show, folks. He's going to be hot. Um, looking forward to it. Hank, any final thoughts? Uh, no, I, I think we pretty much um, we pretty much said a lot of what we need to be said. The problems with this team go well beyond Daniel Jones. In fact, I think Daniel Jones, this might sound like a stretch, but I think he is probably the one of the least of their problems, if anything, and – Next week, let's just hope for a little bit of science of improvement. That's all I got to say. You know, it's all about improvement. Again, week in, week out, the Giants are going to have to find a way to improve throughout the season. Remember, we do have the Dallas Cowboys in week five. Mm-hmm. So that will be very interesting. LPG is a legend. Yes, David. Yes, Remember is. to watch us again next week and to get a chance to interact with him live. That's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. On behalf of Hank and Dichter, I'm your host, Tom Scavetta, saying so long. Thank you all very much for watching tonight. You've been watching Big Blue Avenue here on Review and Preview Sports. Good night, everybody.